Hey, happy Labor Day weekend. You got stuck at home and everybody else got to go to the lake, huh? Does that, call, does that mean you're losers? <laughs> it's a great song because uh, we're going to talk about righteousness this morning. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us what are known as the Beatitudes. Now, these are not just eight random sayings, but they're real keys to enjoying a blessed life in Jesus. Today, we're halfway through. We're looking at number four. Read it with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When was the last time you were really hungry? And don't say right now. And I'm not talking about just one of those Big Mac attacks, but really, really hungry. You know, I'm talking about gut-wrenching hunger. I was in a hospital back in January, and I couldn't eat for a couple days. And I was hungry. You know, ice chips just weren't cutting it. And I was so hungry that when they gave me an opportunity to uh, order some red jello, I was so excited. I mean, that was the first of my intake, and it was going to start me on the process. But red jello, it was like, wow. I was hungry. Some of you have known that kind of hunger. About 9 million people worldwide die of hunger and hunger-related diseases every year. And sadly, this includes a little over 3 million children. In America, starvation is, not, is rare. It's rare. And it's really hard to document if anybody dies, actually, of starvation in America. But that's not to say that no one is hungry in America. Because in 2018, they did a study, and they found that one out of every 10 households were food insecure. This means that there are millions of Americans that consistently are unable to access or afford adequate food. And in my opinion, and again, I'm just saying it's my opinion, this is a tragedy, and these people need our help. Faith Fellowship, through your missions giving, supports two local ministries here in our area that are helping. River Bend Family Ministries in Wood River and Community Hope Center in Cottage Hills. So what about thirst? The dictionary defines thirst as a desire or a need to drink. Now, I don't know about you, but the only thing that really satisfies my thirst is good old H2O. I like iced tea, and, I, and I, I do Arnie's. Anybody know what an Arnold Palmer is? Iced tea and a little lemonade. And when I have a pizza, I have to have a Coke. Not a Pepsi. A Coke. But when I'm really dry, and I'm really parched, here it is. Water. That's for me. So here's another shocking fact to pray about if you need anything else to pray about. One in three people on the planet 
do not have access to safe drinking water. Nearly 3 billion people. Now, although these are very serious problems, I'm not going to talk this morning about physical hunger and physical thirst. See, whether they live in the United States or France or Peru, people the world over are looking for something that will quench the hunger and thirst in their hearts for satisfaction and contentment. God says the reason we suffer from dissatisfaction in life is because we're looking for it in all the wrong places. Just like one of the Hollywood's many rich and famous and beautiful people, she said this, I obtained everything I wanted. I had wealth, I had fame, I had accomplishment in my career, I had beautiful children, I had a lifestyle that seemed out of this world, yet I was totally unhappy. She said, I found it frightening that one could acquire all these things and still be so miserable. See, this person got what she hungered for and what she thirsted for, but she was still not blessed or satisfied in her soul. We're not Hollywood stars. Now, maybe you're a star in the making. But we are tempted just like everyone else, to think that things are going to give us the satisfaction and contentment that we're longing for. In his sermon, Jesus was talking to common, everyday people who understood what it meant to be thirsty and hungry. The word used for hunger is to crave food. He uses a strong word to describe thirsting, which means to painfully feel the need for water. Jesus is trying to convey the thought that the quest for righteousness is not some idle task that you do when you have time and nothing better to do. He said, no, it should be a top priority of our lives. Few of us know what it means to be without food or drink for days on end. But that's the kind of hunger and thirst Jesus is referring to here in this beatitude. When we get hungry and thirsty in the way Jesus describes, you see, it changes our perspective. One of the stories told about the sinking of the Titanic tells of a wealthy lady who was about to get on one of the few lifeboats that they had that were working. But she stopped before she got on. She told the person in charge that she had to go back to her cabin. The crew member told her, you have five minutes. If you don't come back in time, we're lowering the boat. So she ran back as fast as she could to her room. She reached over diamonds and and pearls that she had on her dresser. And fortunately, she got back in time to get in the boat and be saved. She was clutching four oranges that she had saved from lunch. 
You see, that's the kind of longing Jesus is talking about. The kind that radically changes our perspective. Oranges, not diamonds or pearls. Our desire for righteousness is to be as a starving person desires food and as someone dying for a drink of water. It's not a casual desire, not a stomach growl between now and lunch. This hunger and thirst is the kind that comes from desperation. And that, quote, something we are to be desperate for is his righteousness. So what exactly is Jesus talking about? What does he mean by righteousness? Because in the original language, the word the, T-H-E, precedes the word righteousness. And that means it's a specific righteousness. It is the righteousness of God. The word Jesus uses can have a couple of meanings. The first meaning for this word righteousness would be right living. It's a word of desire. A desire to do the right thing no matter what. And in its simplest sense, righteousness is obedience. We are to hunger and thirst for lives to be in obedience with God's design and purpose for us. James writes this. He says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, what's the next word? Sins. James, who is the brother of Jesus, tells us that disobedience is as much not doing the right thing as it is doing the right thing. So righteousness means right living or doing the right thing thing. The second meaning of the word Jesus uses for righteousness has to do with more than just doing the right thing. The word emphasizes having a right relationship. We are to long for, we are to to desire a right relationship with God. It means to recognize that God has made it possible For you and me to have a relationship with him, even though we don't deserve it. And if you're sitting here thinking this morning that God got a good deal when he got you, you didn't deserve what God has given you. I didn't either. This new relationship that we have is made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross in dying for our sins. As long as we see our relationship to Jesus as only doing the right thing and living a life of duty, oh, I've got to get up today and, and live for Jesus and do the right thing, and I can't think the wrong thing, oh, man, it's just drudgery. If that's the way you approach this living for Christ, you're never going to find the satisfaction and the blessing that is promised in Beatitude number 4. Jesus doesn't just want right living from you and me. He wants that. But he desires a right relationship with us. 
The problem with only looking at doing the right thing is that when we fail, and we will fail, we will sin, we will make mistakes, we will offend people, we will hurt people, and when we do that, we only think of God then as some kind of stern judge and a lawgiver. And when that happens, we can kind of shrink back from God and get distant from God and fearful of God. That's not what he wants. But once we know God is ready to accept us just as we are, to love us and forgive us just as we are, warts and all, failures and all, that distance that we perceive between us and God can be replaced with love and trust for our Heavenly Father. Do you hunger and thirst for a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, this morning? You see, that right relationship that we can have with Jesus equips us for the right living we talked about just a few moments ago. The right relationship sets us up to desire in our hearts to live the way God tells us through his book, the Bible. Jesus has always emphasized relationship with him over just obedience to rules. For example, Jesus said this, If you love me, comma, you will obey what I command. Notice the relationship with Jesus comes first. If you love me. Then from that relationship of love for Jesus Christ will flow the obedience to his teachings and his commands. You'll want to obey him because you love him. I think you need to settle it in your heart and your mind because the world doesn't look at it this way. But Christianity was never meant to be a religion. We always hear about the world's great religions, Islam, Buddhism, and Christianity's thrown right in there. Christianity was never meant to be a religion. It's meant to be a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And in his fourth beatitude, Jesus is saying, if you want to be satisfied, if you want to be filled in your heart, then above anything else in life, hunger and thirst and seek a right relationship with me. Because if you don't, you can be the Hollywood star and have it all and still be miserable. The story is told of a young student in India. He went to his pastor And he asked the question, how can I truly find God? The pastor didn't say anything at that moment in time. He just asked the student to to go with him to the river, which ran just a little bit outside their village. When they got to the river, the pastor asked the young man to come on out into the water with me. They got into the water about 10 feet from the bank of the river. And the pastor said, no, I just want you to immerse yourself in the water. The student obediently did as he was told. And then the pastor put both his hands on his head 
and wouldn't let him come back up. And, of course, he began to struggle, the student, and, and throw his arms around and grab for, for whatever he could grab onto. And the pastor continued to hold him under the water. And we don't do that when you're baptized here, okay? So the pastor's holding down. The young man's thrashing about. And I need another screen. Finally, the pastor released his grip. And just like a bobber, the young man came out of the water, coughing, sputtering, gasping for air. The pastor waited a few moments until he, the young man composed himself and realized the pastor wasn't trying to kill him. And he said this, When you desire and long for God to the same level you desire to breathe, then you shall truly find him. The psalmist put it this way. He said, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. So what do you long for this morning on this Labor Day weekend? If I asked you what you desire and and what you would want, if you could have anything at all, what would it be? Would it be a new car? I read that the new Jeep Wagoneer is coming out, and it's only going to cost $100,000, fully loaded. Would it be a new relationship? Would you want a, a larger home with all the finest amenities? Would you want better health? Would you want a high six-figure income? How about a 401k that had a million-dollar balance in it? What would it be for you? We're all different. It'd probably all be different for each of us. And maybe that's the problem. Because how many of us in this room today can honestly say, if I could have anything in the world, I would ask for righteousness. Read it with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's a promise there. Maybe you think, how can I know? How can I really know if I'm hungering and thirsting and desiring righteousness the way Jesus says? Well, before I give you my take on it, I want to remind you again what the word blessed means in the Bible. The word blessed is sometimes translated happy. Be happy. But that really doesn't do the original Greek word justice. Because happiness to most of us depends on our circumstances. This is much deeper. Blessed is inner satisfaction that doesn't depend on our outward circumstances. Blessed is God's divine favor that has been given to you and me as a gift. 
So back to our questions. How do you know? How do I know? If we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness the, we, the way Jesus says here in this beatitude. Is there some kind of test I can take? Is there some kind of measurement? So I'll know? Well, it's really quite a simple self-evaluation. You just measure yourself. Don't measure me, and I won't measure you, because it won't help us either way. You measure yourself by your desires and by your longings this morning. What are you hungry and thirsty for inside? What do you desire? What do you long for in your soul? Now, don't don't misunderstand me, because there are times that we desire and long for the wrong things. It's just going to happen, because we're human beings that sin. Jesus is saying that an increased hunger and thirst and desire for him and a decreased desire for the other things that life offers is what will bring us to the point where we're being filled with inner satisfaction and contentment. It's an increase and a decrease. Our walk with Jesus is not measured by perfection, but by progress. I'm going to say that again because we need to be reminded that God is not asking us to be perfect. Our walk with Jesus today, September 6, 2020, is not measured by perfection, but by our progress. Our choice is not just between good and evil, but between good and better, and best. Something may not be a sin according to God's standards, but it may hinder us from seeking God. It may be something that is eating up our time, eating up our energy, and consequently, we're not hungering and thirsting for God and what He wants for our lives. Jesus doesn't say, Blessed are those who always live right. You're not going to find that in that verse. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to live right. The desire is there. Christ follower, our relationship with Jesus should be a growing one. We should be able to look back, whether it's five years ago or five months ago, and we should be able to say, I'm closer to Jesus now than I was then. I'm finding greater inner satisfaction and contentment in my life now with Jesus than I was back then. Now, if you can't say that, Maybe 
you're looking in the wrong place for your satisfaction and contentment in life. 1,500 years ago, St. Augustine knew the struggle that people had with a relationship with God in the day in which he lived, 1,500 years ago. But basically, it's the same struggle that people have today. We really haven't learned much in 1,500 years. Augustine wrote this line, and it's a famous line, and I'm sure you've probably heard it before. It's a line that talks about this struggle that people have. He says, Thou hast made us for thyself. It's King James, right? Remember King James 1,500 years ago? Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is, what's the word? Restless until it finds its, what's the word? Rest in thee. The thee is God. God, you made us for yourself, and we're looking all over the, everywhere to find a ha- peace and satisfaction, and we're not going to find it without it being restful in you. Is your heart restless? Is your heart restless this morning? What do you thirst for? What do you desire today, deep down inside? Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. He says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Righteousness is something to seek after, to hunger for, and thirst for above all the other things in our lives. It is the mark of a true Christian that's being changed from the inside out. What we hunger for, what we thirst for, reveals the spiritual character of our spiritual heart. The blessing of God is for those who simply want righteousness. God lets us get spiritually hungry He lets us get spiritually thirsty because he knows that he alone can satisfy our desires and longings. He'll let you go a long way in your search. But he wants you to come back because he alone can satisfy. If someone ever says to you, if you've got a good friend or family member says to you, you know, I'm really just dissatisfied with my life and I don't like how things are going in my life. It's just a mess. My life's a mess. And some of you know people like that. I know some people like that. And that's when you can really throw them a curveball. A loving curveball. And you can say, good, great, congratulations. Now you can find out that God has been waiting for you all along. He wants you to know that you need him more than anyone or anything else in the world that you've been seeking after. 
It's been said that God made humans, you and me, with a spiritual vacuum or, or a spiritual space or hole in our soul. And unless it's filled with God, those humans, you and me, will always be spiritually hungry and spiritually thirsty. Blaise Pascal was a Christian philosopher in the 17th century. And he said this about spiritual hunger and thirst. He said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, and might we just say woman too. He must have been a sexist. And it cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator. Now read this line with me. Made known through Jesus Christ. There's a hole inside of people. Everywhere you walk. At Walmart, where you work, where you go to school, when you go back to school. People are walking around with a void inside. There's a gnawing. They don't know how to fill it. And Blaise Pascal, great Christian philosopher, said, you've got to fill it with God, their relationship with Jesus. Let me ask three questions before I close out this morning. What if you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness? What if this message just... Number two, what if you don't long for and desire God? Number three, what if your heart is still hungry and thirsty for the things and the stuff of this world? Well, if you don't hunger and thirst for God, it could be because you're not what Jesus referred to as born again. Excuse me. That wasn't for dramatic effect, I'm sorry. Being born again is to admit that you're a sinner. And then to trust Jesus' death on the cross as payment for your sins. And then surrender your life totally to Jesus. So that could be the problem for some of you in here. You're not born again. And then... Maybe you are born again, you are a Christian this morning, but your heart has grown cold lately. And you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness the way you once did. Here's what I suggest you do. Find some place to pray today, if you want to. That's your choice. And ask God to give you the desire to desire him. Ask God, Lord God, I want that desire to seek after and long for you and hunger for you as never before. Pray for God to stir in your heart, in your spirit, a holy hunger and thirst for him. And then seek your filling and your satisfaction 
nowhere else in this world but in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's stand. I'm going to pray, and then the, our great worship band is going to come back and play our theme song for this series. You've been enjoying this song? Yes. Isn't it great? And I want you to stand in case you wanted to tap your toes or swing your arms or whatever. Lord God, this morning, we thank you for this fourth beatitude, this reminder that we can go so far in searching for inner satisfaction, inner contentment of our soul. But there is a hole in us, Lord, that can only be filled with Jesus Christ and a loving relationship with Him, being born again, being saved. And Lord, if there's someone in this building today who's not made that commitment to Christ and said yes to Him, I pray that they will do so. Lord, there may be Christians in this place that want more in their relationship with you than they have right now. They sense a hunger. They sense a, a thirsting for more of God. They've grown cold. They've grown indifferent. And Lord, today I do pray that they would say, Jesus, make yourself more real to me. Help me to have a desire for you and the things that you want me to do. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your mercy and grace in our lives. And Lord, as we go from this place, we just pray that you would help us today and, and the rest of the week to be shining examples of the love of God, no matter where you take us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.